Today's show is brought to you by Zip Recruiter, the presenting sponsor of Recode Media. Zip Recruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply so you get qualified candidates fast. And now our listeners can try it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash Peter. Today's show is brought to you by Ericsson. Have you ever wished you could stream high-quality HD videos on a crowded train? Or maybe you wish you could sit courtside and watch a big game live from your couch. Well, Ericsson is about to change the game in cellular networking with high-speed, low-latency 5G. Find out what the future looks like at ericsson.com slash 5G. That's ericsson.com slash 5G. This is Recode Media from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher, in for Peter Kafka. And today I'm talking to Beth Comstock, the former vice chair of GE. She's also the former president of Integrated Media at NBC Universal, where she oversaw the early days of Hulu. And she's also the author of a book called Imagine It Forward, Courage, Creativity, and the Power of Change. Beth, welcome to Recode Media. Thanks, Kara. Fun to we be have, here. How long? We've known each other forever. A while. I don't know. We you don't want to say how long. We don't want to say how long. But nonetheless, you've had quite a career. And one of the reasons I want to have you on here, because I think it's really important, not just for women, but just in general, to talk about how people's careers go. Because yours yeah. have shifted really drastically, yeah. really. I never years. would have imagined yeah. having this career. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk a little bit about what you've done. Before NBC, you were, I'm, not, I'm blanking about where you were. Well, I actually started my career, I wanted to be a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> So <laughs> pretty quickly, I wasn't confident. Pretty right, quickly, I right. got behind the scenes. I actually worked, I grew up near Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and I worked um, in a w- version of Wayne's World back mm-hmm. in the day for public access television. Oh, wow. And then from there, I ended up going to NBC. Mm-hmm. I joined NBC as a publicity coordinator. Right, okay. And then I worked my so way through press media. press releases. Press like. releases, yeah. And I worked my way through media from there. I went mm-hmm. to CNN, I went to CBS, back to NBC, then NBC led to GE. Right. And so, so it makes sense to nobody but me. Right, okay, all right. But at NBC, you did a lot more than that. You you weren't just a publicity coordinator. No, no but yeah. I, I, NBC moved me to New York, and I went through publicity, and then I got into more promotion, and um, I went to GE, became chief marketing officer. They shipped me back to NBC, and I led the digital, the digi- early days of digital media, which was incredibly informative. Right. So GE bought NBC. GE bought NBC, NBC in like 1986 or and something like that. And had it for, like what, a dozen? Almost 22 20 years, years, something right, like that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So talk about that. Talk, talk about doing that, because this was the early days of the internet. I think that's probably when I met you, when you were working on yeah, this. Yeah, and that would have been in the mid, um, that would have been probably like around 2006 mm-hmm. would have been when we started that. When the, think about, think, take people back to that day, right. that time. It was YouTube, just on the scenes. In media, everyone was panicked because right. it was cats playing the piano on video. Yeah. And they were like, they one, were good cats. Yeah, cats. they were good cats, but one part was like, ha, 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 so cute. Mm-hmm. The other was, oh, my God, we don't know how to do this. And mm-hmm. people were panicked. Um, and YouTube hadn't yet even been bought by Google at that point. Right. And so I was brought in. I had done some disruptive things at GE. Such as? I, I launched our clean tech initiative. So uh-huh. they're like, okay, she you can figure something digital. out. Go go figure out digital. Right. And I had no digital background, clearly, mm-hmm. but I had marketing background. Right. And so what, how did you look at it at the scene? This was what year? It would have been 2006. Right. So later. I, yeah, later. I'd been there for a dog's age by yeah. this time. Yeah, by that point, yeah. I mean, Kara had been in on the scene for 12 years. You were years way early. Yeah, years. exactly. But this was a, a this was just the start of it in media. Yeah, and right. um, so I went in as the head of digital media. No mm-hmm. one knew what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing— and this is post the AOL Time Warner merger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So everybody um, was not—this is pre— 
Facebook was very early. Facebook was still, I mean, I think Google maybe we just were, gone public, right? Yeah, it was all that that phase. Mm-hmm. And and again, YouTube was not, it was growing, but people were, were not sure about it. Everybody dismissed it. And mm-hmm. yet they knew they needed to be there. Right. And so how did you look at it? So I looked at it, I mean, I knew I wasn't a technologist. So I mm-hmm. knew I couldn't look at it as, you know, I couldn't code. I didn't know the first thing. I looked at it as a marketer. I'm about mm-hmm. behavior. How are people's behaviors going to change? Mm-hmm. How do we think about it? I remember having a... Uh, bitter debate with one of the programming heads. And it was like, well, what if the programming schedule goes away? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's never going to happen. Yeah. That's never going to happen. Well, right. People always need this to tell This is the famed NBC. Yeah. Like, what was the night? What was the Friends night? Uh, Thursday night. Thursday Must night. see TV. Must see TV. Must see TV. Right. They mm-hmm. created it. So that was the, the thinking at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, people are always just going to watch TV. They want to schedule. And you brought this up. What if there was no program? Yeah. Yeah, and it was that kind of stuff. I remember we would have fights about DVDs. So at the time, we were, I was, since I was in the digital group, we were selling our content to Netflix. Mm-hmm. They think back, they were sending out their DVDs still right. in red envelopes. Right. And uh, NBC Universal was really happy to take the money. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't, no one could imagine that they would actually be streaming things on the internet. It right. just seemed right. like a DVD company. Business, and that. why not take the extra dough? Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it was those kind of things. And we'd have bitter fights about. Who wants? We're, we're going to have to digitize, like, mm-hmm. and they'd be like, "Well, okay, we'll we'll send everybody a DVD, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll send them a digital file, but they also have to take a DVD." Mm-hmm. Well, but that defeats the purpose, right? So I learned a lot about just you know the the challenges that people, the games, the why was thinking. that from Yuri? Because you, we did talk. I remember talking about it. I was like, everything's going to be digital, so I don't know why you people are fuck musting around. Because me. they were afraid. First right. of all, they were really afraid. They didn't know how to make money doing that. Mm-hmm. They um, remember. I mean, back in the DVD day, it was like Thursday or Tuesday drop in Walmart and, mm-hmm. you know, they they knew their world. And so the idea that anyone would want something different would challenge their point of view. They weren't good at it. Right. So, so how afraid. did you push back that internally? Because you were the digital person without digital experience, without yeah. technical experience. Yeah. So the first thing I did is I hired a lot of people with digital experience. Mm-hmm. I hired some great people like uh, George Klievkoff, who's gone mm-hmm. on to do some great things in digital. He had come out of MLB. Mm-hmm. Remember, that was a great training sure. ground back mm-hmm. in the day for a lot of folks coming out of digital. Mm-hmm. So I hired a bunch of people like George. Mm-hmm. and just brought them in and said, help us build a strategy. Let's figure out what to do. One of the first things we did didn't work out. We mm-hmm. hired a, we bought, uh, acquired a women's community, iVillage. Yes. It uh, was really Kansas. painful. It was really painful. It was yeah. a good idea. What was the thinking behind it? Yeah, I always liked the strategy. Uh, but Candace. Yeah, she, well, at, at that point, she had gone, and it yeah, was whatever. run by a guy named Doug McCormick. Right. And um, iVillage was an early, for people who don't know, was an early uh, online world like Planet Out and others. It was and like a women, community for women. women. And, and it was on AOL. Yeah. AOL had had invested in it in its greenhouse program, I think. Yeah, exactly. And then properties. it spun out, and Hearst had an ownership yeah. stake. And yeah. anyway, so the strategy was it's community, right? Mm-hmm. It's women, mm-hmm. an engaged community. Let's combine it with the Today Show, right? Bravo. Mm-hmm. And we could bring community. I mean, in theory, we that could the be Facebook, then. right? Yeah. You know, right. In, in theory, you, we could have been. But like right. most companies, one, it was not a very progressive technology. So mm-hmm. we knew that. But mm-hmm. we, frankly, I think we overpaid for it. Right. Um, and just the antibodies that happened in companies. I mean, we brought it in. At the time, uh, I, I deputized Lauren Zelasnik, who was running mm-hmm. Bravo, to help lead it. And, right. and we start to see the things that happen in companies. Everybody's like, yeah, but I want to build my own stuff. I don't want to support that new thing. I right. want to do my old stuff. 
stuff. So right. it was a lot of that uh, that happened. Right. So you bought iVillage. Bought iVillage. It didn't work. It took it, it a while not yeah. to work. And the yeah. dumb things companies do. I mean, we moved it to New Jersey. No one <laughs> wanted to commute to New Jersey. Everybody <laughs> Why left. Why did you move it to New Jersey? We A lot of us didn't want to move it to New Jersey because right. the, the company felt they were going to get better tax incentives by going to New Jersey. Right. And, and so, so they basically... So all these hip internet people had to move to New exactly, Jersey. Exactly. And take a shuttle bus from, right. you know, Grand Central or something. It was mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. So that's what companies do, right? They, they had no idea about the New Jersey part. Yeah. Yeah, they moved out to CNBC. They right. had, you know, CNBC had that... Englewood Cliffs or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the, yeah. bu- the building was beautiful, but no yeah. one worked there because they all quit. I've been there. I don't even want to go there. I yeah. want to go there. Yeah. No, it's like going Sorry, to... Sorry, Mary, but it's I like going to another country. Yeah. Yeah. So we were doing... We were, you know, doing so that... So iVillage, what else I did iVillage, we, we, um, we started our own in-house content studio. It was mm-hmm. very early at the time. I loved that effort. We had a bunch of... Young folks we brought in, they were film, independent filmmakers, mm-hmm. and they were making crazy cat videos. Right. But, of course, you know, the, the traditional NBC looked down their nose at it. But I remember one of my favorite one was, like, I think there was one that was quasi-viral hit, the Easter Bunny Hates You, <laughs> Microwave Gorilla. I mean, they were doing—it was a lab. And I love that part of it. Um, Easter Bunny Hates Yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I the Microwave Gorilla was one where you'd, you'd have—actually, you could tell the gorilla what to— to microwave. It could mm-hmm. be a Barbie doll, a baseball, mm-hmm. all kinds of crazy things, and you'd watch it explode in the microwave. That was as exciting as it got. Oh, wow. That's really art. Yeah. That's it was art. really art. Yeah. But it was different, right? Yeah. And yeah. The, the mothership didn't like it. Because they didn't know how you to were make busy money. doing the big shows. Like, yeah, exactly. Let's do, we know how to get a star. We know how to do a big show. We know how to do that's CBS, but CSI, whatever whatever formulaic show. But what those things help do is they then give a little bit of um, competition for mm-hmm. people like the big SNLs. And you'll recall right. that time, SNL put out their Lazy Sunday video, which yeah. at, for its time did break the internet, right? right? It right. was that yes. Chris Parnell video. Mm-hmm. And yep. and so that's part of mm-hmm. what we were doing was seeding that kind of agitation in the company mm-hmm. so that other people would want to go do it. I remember meeting a lot with Jeff Ross and Conan on trying to get them to do more d- videos. Mm-hmm. And so that was a lot of what we which did in the they early did. days. Which they a did. lot of the comedy, it worked really well. It worked with. really well. Yeah. yeah. And that's that, now that's it. That's how I watch the SNL. I watch it. Me in, too. I, that's exactly the way clips. I watch it. And it usually on YouTube or Hulu mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. yeah. And then, so out of that came uh, a, a lot of trial and error around what ultimately became Hulu. Mm-hmm. Talk about that. Yeah. Lot. So what was interesting about that is true big company, you know, the first idea that the teams were going after, more the traditional teams were, hey, let's build our own thing. We're going to we're gonna charge everybody to, to come and you, you view our videos, but we're going to do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, pretty quickly, everybody realized that wasn't going to work. Mm-hmm. One, it wouldn't be a good experience, all that. So then, out of desperation, we weren't we were struggling. I Village hadn't taken off like we thought. Fox had been struggling. Take you back then. They had acquired MySpace. Mm-hmm. It was not working out no. well for the same reasons. Levinson. They killed it. Ross. Yeah. They all killed it inside. Yeah. So oh, man, this is like my history. I'm yeah. like, oh my god, I forgot yeah. all about so that. So out of like a lot of trial and desperation, we got together, News right. Corp and NBC, and we said, let's launch something. And, and what was the thinking behind that? The idea was that we the streaming was coming. That some sort of, like, you need some sort of your shows to go instead of just on the NBC.com website. Right, exactly. Right? And also you didn't, you were, we were afraid of YouTube. Google had just bought YouTube at that point. Right. So suddenly it was threatening. But they didn't have content like you. And you didn't want to put your content on YouTube. No, they were trying. I mean, Eric Schmidt and people like that would show right. up all the time trying to get us to put stuff on YouTube. But Philippe Dauman had sued them at CBS. Yeah. About and Jeff Zucker, wanted, Zucker to. wanted to. And so, because they were, a lot of the fa- the stuff was being uploaded. Yeah. And Google was taking no 
efforts to yeah. take it down or very minimal efforts, and essentially. with the team I worked with, we were encouraged, we encouraged that because we thought it was a good way to get adoption. Hey, you, got NB, you got the SNL stuff yeah, on Yeah, we figured we'd figure out how to make money later. Right. But the thing was to learn how to do it. But you it. didn't want Google to own your destiny, correct? No, not at all. So right. that was the idea. Let's start our own thing. Mm-hmm. And I think we had tried three different things that didn't work. Right. So we got together. We actually went to Viacom. They mm-hmm. said no. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to be part of it. Right. So in the early days, it was The just, thinking behind that is if you have everybody there... Like, it's better to have all—it's like it's like TV, right? No, you get everybody's content, so it, right. it would be a must-see kind of destination. Right, um, right. So we knew that much. Right. So uh, you got uh, News Corp. And just NBC and NBC. News Corp in the early days. And right. then we knew we knew we had tried—we both had failed at bringing things in-house. We knew mm-hmm. we had to set it up separately. Mm-hmm. We knew we needed an a entrepreneur to run it. Mm-hmm. So we did an exhaustive search and came back with Jason Kyler. Mm-hmm. Who was from Amazon. Who was from Amazon. And mm-hmm. he had run the DVD division at Amazon. Right, right. A and, great entrepreneur. Yeah, he was great. And, and, and started this. So what were the ch- difficulties of doing this? So you were overseeing this. What were the difficulties of—, of- Everything was difficult. I mean, because the in, you know the, the inside a company, everybody wants to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. We set up a funding, and everybody's like, "Why are you giving Hulu money when I should have that money? I'm SNL. I'm Bravo." Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you had to officiate that. Mm-hmm. We put a team together. It's the freaking future. You I know idiot. exactly. But everybody gets very territorial. Yeah. Jason came with a really clear vision. It's about the consumer experience. Right. Take you back to that time. What we would do at NBC, which was horrible, we'd have to make a quarter, make a year, so somebody go. Uh, we need a couple more spots in ER to make our quarter. And mm-hmm. before you know it, the, the ER is more ads than it is ER. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the viewer experience was getting bad. Right. And Jason was like, I'm going to create a new viewer experience. I'm right. going to make it clean, simple. And that was his vision. He had to be given room to do it. Right, pre-rolls. and stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing, because I, I was doing ad sales as well. <laughs> and everybody, every advertiser's like, no, we're going to have our one-minute or 30-second pre-roll, and he mm. was like, no, we're not going to do that. In right. fact, for the first— Post-roll, right? They did post-rolls. Yeah, right? and right. pre—I mean, and for the first, um, I think, three to six months, he had no advertising, which right. made everybody crazy. Mm-hmm. But what it meant is he had to do things he wanted to do. He could come to the mothership, to Fox and NBC, and take whatever he wanted, mm-hmm. but leave behind the crap. Right, and so, and figure out what would work, and so everybody was questioning what would work. Exactly, it wasn't just putting repurposing shows. Though. That's initially it what was it initially was. what it was. He, yeah. and he had a budget to do original shows, but look how long it's taken them to really get a couple of good right. shows. Right, uh, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, that's all they that, got. Right, right. So I remember it was yeah. like fifty million dollars a year we had committed to fund uh, in programming. Right, uh, right. But that wasn't the general idea. It was a place for repurposed content. Yeah. essentially, it was originally and have a good for both. player and have a good player. Have a good player. And to that end, I'll give you an example of the dumb things companies. Do. Right. So we had spent $5 million on a video player in-house mm-hmm. at NBC. Mm-hmm. And Jason looks at it. We go, here, great news. You don't have to do this. And he goes, that's a piece of crap. Uh-huh. I think he said something like, it looks like Tokyo lit up at night or something. <laughs> and so, you know, in a traditional company, you would have made him take it because otherwise you'd have to write it off. And, right. all. and he's like, no. I'm yeah. not going to take it. Right. And so someone like me plays a role of championing that. No, he doesn't have to take it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, finance, get over it. He's not going to take it. Right, right. Um, stock doing. options were a big issue. Right. GE only ever paid in one currency, but mm-hmm. they had to have their own equity. Right. That was a fight. Because they were fighting against Google Initially, only just Google, and then later Amazon. And the right, and they in. were a startup, so they were going to have their own equity. Eventually, right. we brought in Providence Equity and mm-hmm. some others to kind of validate it, but they needed to be paid differently. How and hard is that within a big corporate? It's really team? hard. Yeah. Yeah, I remember once HR calling me up and going, Jason's hiring people without, you know, a non-disclosure agreement or whatever. Like, so? Yeah. He's a different company. Right. So? Right, right. right. Um, well, he's not doing this or that. Yeah, he's running the company. So all those things, they like, mm-hmm. they're always breaking some perceived rule which right. isn't a rule at all. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the problem is when you 
have to even go back to that. We were just talking about some stuff I've been doing, and I just can't. Yeah. Like, someone was saying, you should come visit our newsroom. I'm like, no, I can't. I, I actually physically can't because it makes me nervous. Well, that's why if you were, to, let's say you were Jason mm-hmm. at that time, like, mm-hmm. you would have been the exact right personality because mm-hmm. you had to challenge, you have to be this challenger. It's yeah. a challenger brand, if right. you will. And you have to, so it only works in as much as someone can challenge. Right, and is allowed to. And is allowed to. And that's to. why they don't want to be at these big places because right. you spend a lot of time. I used to go, I, when Walt and I were at the Wall Street Journal, we had a lot of troubles with them. And they, no, they didn't have troubles with us. They just gave us a lot of trouble. We used to call them the weasels. Like, this is a good weasel, that's a bad <laughs> Weasel, and so it I'm was, sure Jason had a lot of names. Yeah, it was the weasels. Oh God! But in weasel. some ways, you needed. We needed to fail in those ways to yeah. know we needed him. And right. they were expensive failures, MySpace, iVillage. But you needed to do that. So I, you probably were early for Wall Street mm-hmm. Journal. Yes, very much so. So you were kind of their guinea pig. Yeah, exactly. And they and we left. So that's why. And so when you were doing that, you had the two, and then a third came in. Right? You, you were trying to get ABC in. Yeah, we were, and um, and so the, eventually Disney did come in. Um, right. Yeah. So that, how hard was that to get you all? Like, were you all as a group understanding the threat that you were facing? I think everybody understood it. Yeah. I think people, but then how do you do it? Everybody wants to do their own thing. That's always the challenge. I remember going to Viacom and they Mm -hmm. were like, no, we're going to do our own thing. Right. That's CBS. We lobbied, we lobbied uh, Demon. I remember that meeting Mm -hmm. and you had people in there like, um, Tom Freston mm-hmm. and um, and Judy. I mean, they were in there lobbying, like, we want to do this. And mm-hmm. they were like, no, we're going to do our own thing. So that's right. often what you were lobbying against. Right. So you had Viacom and CBS, two separate things with two separate content buckets. Yeah. You had Fox, which yeah. you had. You had ABC. And then there was Time Warner, too. Eventually, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had left by then. But, but I'm saying you had to go and get all You had to go and con- get all those. I think the best thing that the team did was getting um, the private equity group, mm-hmm. uh, Providence, and because that validated the model. Right. right? It gave it a valuation. Get cash. And, and did you understand the power of the big internet companies at the time? Did you ever imagine? Well, Google hasn't done that much, and Apple hasn't done that much. Surprisingly, well, Apple's think. interesting right now. Yeah, yeah, because they they're sort of in it and not in it. Yeah, um, but they've but, been doing these interesting deals, yes, right? The yep, A twenty four deal yes, they just announced exactly. today. Yep, exactly. And it'll it'll be interesting because I find them the least content focused people on the planet. Like it's so interesting. Yeah. But they're very good at music. They did a nice job. Um, but they have to dig. They have to wade a lot deeper into this content space, yeah. obviously. Um, but, you know, Amazon waited right in and stuff like that. Did you ever imagine, I would say Amazon and Netflix are the most aggressive. Um, did you ever imagine they would do this? Was Amazon, Netflix? no. Right. I mean, I think Amazon, Netflix, yeah, because you knew it was yeah. their name. Net- Jeff, enter Netflix. You knew. Jeff Buke has called them Lithuania or something. Is like that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, and Google was the big threat at the time. Yeah. Um, we all thought, not no, be. not to be. I mean, but YouTube's been a pretty good yeah. force, just yeah. in a different way. It wasn't original content. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They've tried. Susan's tried recently to do that. And so you were running that. When you look back on that, what mistake do you think you made or, or the company made? Well, I can talk a lot about what I made. That's okay. what I tried to do in the book. Right, exactly. But I, um, I mean, one, I think the big mistake I made personally and with the team is kind of the cool kids versus the not cool kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens a lot in change. And I hired a bunch of digital Turks, and we were going to take on the world. And I was out with my face on every magazine mm-hmm. cover, like, yay, digital's the future. And mm-hmm. I didn't spend enough time building the bridges and building the partnerships internally. Mm-hmm. And then, therefore, they Therefore, were not- they dug in. I mean, here, and it, it became sort of them against us. Mm-hmm. And I remember once, one morning waking up, and I always read the New York Post. Mm-hmm. And there I was. And Don't it, be embarrassed. Yeah, I, I read the Daily Mail every day, too. But there I was, page six. Mm-hmm. There was this quote that I was so stealth mm-hmm. that I could take out your kidney and you wouldn't even feel it. <laughs> 
At the time, I was quite distraught by that. Now I think it's quite a compliment. But at the time, I was— Why were you distraught? I would be thrilled. Yeah, I needed a dose of Kara then. Yeah. I, uh, I yeah. needed to channel oh my God. you. I wish because I... it was my it was my own colleagues. You know, basically right. it was drive by shooting. And did you take anyone's kidney out? I, I would have I, taken the yeah, kidney. Yeah, I should have. Yeah. I should have. I'd like to know whose kidney they thought I took. Yeah. But um, and that was there was it was many of those. So you're that was a crafty woman. You know that was yeah. misogynist too. Yeah, like, exactly. Come on, come yeah, on. and it just it just crafty lady. Yeah. stealthfully comes in and takes your kidney. Yeah. And I also understood because I, I was sent back from GE and they mm-hmm. thought I was the corporate spy. Oh, I remember. Okay. Showing up at Universal, which you may have been. I, I may have been. I remember showing up at Universal, and this mm-hmm. one, one of the top dogs. It wasn't Ron, who I became friendly with, but mm-hmm. one of the top dogs said, uh, "Look, you got a couple strikes against you, and I'm just going to tell you, I'm never going to work with you. Oh one, you used to work at NBC, and two, you're here from GE, and I'm just never going to work for, with you." So that was it feels like my AOL Time Warner. Yeah, book. that was the environment, yeah. and so everybody was out for everybody. Yeah. And so that's the learning. I think yeah. you can fall into that, which I did, or you can rise above it, which I didn't. Yeah. All right. When we get back, we're talking about that's a great story. You know, I was in page six. It was about my pregnancy. I'm not going to go into it, but it was quite funny. Wow. That was where it was announced. They thought Jeff Bezos was the father. I will not go into it, but <laughs> that's he is not, or else we would have a plane right now for my children, but we do not. Or maybe that's a juicy story. Yes, my baby daddy, Jeff Bezos. What an incredible experience that was. Anyway, uh, we're going to take a quick break now. We'll be back in a minute with Beth Comstock. She's the author of Imagine It Forward, Courage, Creativity, and the Power of Change. We're going to talk about the book when we get back. Today's show is brought to you by Mack Weldon. They make the most comfortable hoodies, sweatpants, underwear, and socks you'll ever wear. If you've listened to this show before, you know that I buy Mack Weldon products myself. I wear a lot of socks from them. They're awesome. There's a line of silver underwear and shirts made from naturally antimicrobial fiber that actually eliminates odor. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping, and they are easy to buy. Go to MacWeldon.com. You'll get 20% off your order with the promo code RECODE. That's MacWeldon.com, promo code RECODE. If you don't like your first order, this is amazing. You just keep it. Mac Weldon will send you your money back. It means you get free clothes. But you'll like them. You'll keep them. Get 20% off at MacWeldon.com. Use the promo code RECODE so they know I sent you there. That's MacWeldon.com, promo code RECODE. We're here with Beth Comstock. She is a... Kidney stealer and the author. <laughs> a proud kidney proud, stealer. And she ran Hulu for a while. She worked for GE. She's been all over the place at NBC. And, but she's also the author of Imagine It Forward, Courage, Creativity, and the Power of Change. So we were just talking about this. I was asking you what you think you did wrong there, and you meant you referenced the book. So talk about what you're trying to get through in this book, because you've obviously—I I, want to get to your experience at GE, too, but talk a little bit about how the book came— together. Well, I think navigating change and being somebody who's about innovation in a mm-hmm. traditional company is a hard job, and mm-hmm. it's messy, and everybody always writes these change books like it's one, two, three, a perfect process, and there's never a mess, and it's a mess. I could have called it fail forward, and I almost did, and I think that's what I was trying to do. Meaning what? To share all the failures and the things that didn't work to get to what worked, um, like the, the discussion we just had about how you get to Hulu through a lot of things that didn't work. Mm-hmm. So I felt like you had to share it. And the bad behavior that brings people bring to work, the territorialism, right. the right. us against you, and you, you miss the opportunity. Right. You don't see things because you're too focused on the here and now, and we're not fighting for the future. So I wanted to chronicle it, and I wanted to encourage people coming along in their career. We've got mm-hmm. them in every company. They want to fight. They're rebels. Well, like, let's encourage you, you're them. also in a notoriously territorial business, media. Yeah. Like, right. So that they, they, they just literally can't help themselves. They can't help themselves. Right. So talk—so you— so you you wanted to sort of use your stories of your of your long career to talk about what you could 
could do. I, I sometimes don't think it's possible to change it. You just have to leave, like, and do your own thing. Yeah, I think both are good options. I mean, I I fought for a long time in a big company to make change happen, and we did. We got clean tech seated. We got digital seated. Um, those things, but it takes a lot of energy. Right, And absolutely. you have to really feel committed to the And they're mission. waiting for the fall. They're waiting, they're waiting for, for the, the fall. hit. They're they waiting. are they just waiting it. for it. So let's, let's go look very quickly with the rest of you. So you went from, and after Hulu, you went back, back to, to GE. GE. And you were, you were, I think, the highest ranking woman there. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, one of them, yeah. Big company. Yeah, big company. Big company. Yeah. I was overseeing airplane marketing engines. and sales and real yeah. innovation. I seated our venture group what at that, that time. What did that mean, innovation? I remember we talked about it. Yeah, and I mean, it can mean a lot of things, but it was really just trying to come up with New business models, mm-hmm. new new lines of business, mm-hmm. trying to grow money revenue from new sources is right. really what it was. And, and GE had made most of its money from big manufacturing, right? Well, yeah, Gen and engines. even traditionally had done yeah. a lot with GE Capital and right. financial services. So, so we financial were inter- services, jet engines, what else? Uh, heavy machinery. A right? lot of energy, energy. generation, right. railroad, mm-hmm. you know, locomotives. So it was a heavy manufacturing, heavy manufacturing company. Yeah, I and found it, it incredibly creative there, right. which I think people would find surprising. I right. found I was more be able to be more creative at GE. Than NBC. Oh wow! Why is that? I think one, the company was big. I could the the role I had was to go across the company, mm-hmm. so I got involved in different healthcare, Which different industries. Also, we'll talk about how, what a problem that could be. Yeah, because it's Beth sort of landing wherever she feels like. Yeah, right? but it was good for a curious person. I got right. to connect dots and see patterns and create things. Like we created a big health initiative. We mm-hmm. created our clean tech by doing that. So mm-hmm. for me, it was a great way to be innovative. Mm-hmm. At media, it was very. You, you mentioned it earlier. It was very territorial. Mm-hmm. It was very my team, me. It was all about me. Yeah, I found GE much more mission-based. Yeah, because there's no narcissists in media. You know, you no, never none, of them. None, none of them. None of them. They're never there. Everybody by, with, by this, we mean all of them. Um, <laughs> Everybody has their actually, team. I, I think I'm an egomaniac and not a narcissist. <laughs> I've decided. I'm not and what's actually. the difference? Narcissism, it's all about them. I know it's not all about me. I just love myself. That's very different. <laughs> very different. I, I think that's a very healthy interpretation. I think so, too. I think so, too. We just talked about loving yourself. No, I love, I said it earlier, but I love that piece you did in Slate where, yeah. you, where you had a manager at one point who was like, you, you're too confident, and you're like, yeah, I'm fabulous. I'm fantastic. I, I, I love that. I just recently said to someone, they were like, don't be arrogant. I'm like, arrogance is when you're inaccurate about your abilities. I'm accurate. I'm fantastic. Have you always been that way? Yes, like, I'm so fascinated. Four, and you've just, oh, because so, like, I am so opposite you. I've like yeah. never been. I had to work really hard no. to learn that. Love myself. Think I'm great. It's just I can't <laughs> help it. It's just like. Well. Was it your mother? Or is it just no? Your genes? Are you kidding? Because I had good parents. In a war that never ends. No, <laughs> she tried her best. So, I don't know. I, just the way I am. Yeah. I think being gay is part of it. Yeah. It's like you don't care what men think of you. I know it sounds crazy. Yeah. You don't You don't get judged on stuff, like, in the same way. Like, there's a really, I hate to do a Roseanne Barr joke, but she said, um, I don't know why lesbians, um, they think lesbians hate men. They don't have to sleep with them. So, <laughs> I love men. I have sons. I think men are great. Um, I don't know. It's a, I don't know. It's just maybe I'm in a weird but in some ways, to relate to what you're saying, mm. I do think at GE, I yeah. was different. Right. I mean, I was a right, woman in a very male-dominated right. culture, and I was marketing creativity in a very engineering culture. And in some way, that difference, I grabbed onto, and it allowed me to be much more and creative. And did they want you as you move through the company? When, you, when you're in charge of innovation, it's such a sketchy— Yeah, like, and everybody rolls their eyes when Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what did, how, what did that mean from your perspective? Because innovation is critical. You can't, like, make innovation happen, but you can. Like, it's kind of an interesting— You can seed it. You can That's what it. I mean. But I think a lot of people think that it's just an idea that pops into the head of Thomas Edison or yeah. blank. But it's not. Not, it's, not at all. Right. No, not at all. You're Speaking constantly, of GE. You're seeding it. You're constantly, you're going out and discovering. So a lot of my job was to be this 
kind of outsider inside, which mm-hmm. I love this concept of mm-hmm. enough of an outsider to keep my perspective. But I had to speak GE. I had to translate it back. I had to be, you know, en- I had to be different enough, but enough to be accepted by them. Yeah, the idea of innovation is really interesting to me because how do you make it? Like, it, it, people do think it's not makeable. And I, there, is, there are elements. I was just writing about this recently. There are elements that that bring it into force. One is tolerance, open-mindedness, yep. willing to take risks, craziness, diversity, all kinds of things. And then the decline of innovation is almost the exact same things: closed-mindedness, closed borders. Those are the things. I mean, closed, it's opening up. Right. To me, it was opening myself up. I feel like if I did anything in my career, it was helping to open my company up. Mm-hmm. You have to get out in the world and discover. You have to go where things are really weird. Mm-hmm. You have to make room for it. And people mm-hmm. have to see it's valuable. You have to go with your teams. I remember going to Saudi Arabia really early mm-hmm. in my career at a time when, you know, women don't go to Saudi Arabia. But we found women were dying of stage four breast cancer. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't done that, and with a team, we never would have found that. Right. So you have to force those kind of things. And then you have have to have fight for the future. And I think that's a big indictment on companies today. Here's what I worry about with innovation. Mm-hmm. I think people dress up for innovation. They all have on the fancy clothes. Mm-hmm. They hire probably people like me. They call chief innovation officer. Right. They'll hire IDEO or someone to come in and speak. Right. And then they pretend like they're innovating, right. but they don't want to do the hard work. It's mm-hmm. hard work. So wh- what is the hard work? They have to They have to get the right people. Mm-hmm. They have to have people like you. Mm-hmm. They have to make sure you're going to succeed. They can't have the antibodies come in and say, no, Carrie, you can't ask that. Mm-hmm. They have to pay you well. They have to give you room. They have to let you fail. Mm-hmm. So there's that whole thing. And then the short-termism takes over. They're afraid to say to investors, yeah. Kara hasn't figured it out yet. We, we have to. We have to invest. So you work for Jeff Immelt, who yeah. was pushing this. He had seen a lot of trouble at the end. And yeah. He was going to. He was up for the Uber job and stuff like that. Does it have to come from the top? Because he really did. This it I mean, helped. You, you have to. Him. Yeah. yeah. It, you have to have somebody at the top who's championing it. I couldn't have been as successful as I was, or allowed mm-hmm. to fail as much as I was, if I didn't have a champion in him. Right. But if it was me just going around saying Jeff said, I wouldn't have lasted. And I did that early. You know, right. you just can't say Jeff said. People are like, I'll show you. Yeah. I'll tell Jeff what I think. Right, exactly. <clears throat> and so, but the concept is to go around to each of the divisions and come up with what, and, and let them come up it, with it. Let their them come up with it, right? right? You're seeding that discovery. You're going together to, so Saudi isn't back to that. We right. went, 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 took a colleague in healthcare and we went and we just lived in Saudi for a while right. and understood that women were dying at stage four breast cancer. Why? One, they can't drive. They couldn't. So maybe we need a, a mobile mammo unit. Right, right. When they get in the mammo unit, there's a guy standing there and they have no clothes on. Right. That makes them very uncomfortable. So they're not going for that reason. So we came up with digital avatars and we, you know, we came up with all kinds of things, but that right. was us seeding it with them and then mm-hmm. they had to own it. Right, they had to own the And then it like, became a, you know, it became... How do you then go to like a jet engine part of your thing? And, I, I, you know, what? how do you do that? Well, I found aviation the most innovative and open mm-hmm. for innovation, which would be uh, ironic. I don't think planes have been innovative at all. I wish they would be. In ways you would, you'd be surprised okay. at how innovative they are. And these are, they're highly regulated. Mm-hmm. So any kind of change you need and right. FAA right. approval. But what I loved about those guys, like 3D printing was coming onto the scene. Right, right. They were very open. We did things like open challenges. We mm-hmm. said, let's re, let's redesign a bracket that holds a jet engine in place. And see if we can print it. And see who can print it. The idea came from a 20-year-old Indonesian science student. Mm-hmm. That was like eye-opening. The engineers thought nobody can do it if mm-hmm. we can't. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this kid in Indonesia can right. do it. That right. got their attention. Mm-hmm. We seated little 3D printers around their um, their offices, the, 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 most engin- the most sophisticated engineering pods. Mm-hmm. And you'd see what happened. Some of them scoffed at it. That's a toy. Mm-hmm. But some of them were really curious. And they started playing with it. They prototyped it. They took it to customers. Mm-hmm. And then everybody's like, hey, this is possible. And mm-hmm. kind of they make it their own. That's what has to happen in innovation. And one of the things you guys were doing a lot were sensors, right? Around yeah, a lot which- of p- dig- the industrial internet was about right. p- embedding sensors and control. And so mm-hmm. you have to seed it. I think where some of that, a couple of things that companies do in innovation, and digital is an example, you throw too much money at something too early. Right. So, for example— Which Jeff got in trouble for, we, right? we, yeah. we're That happened often, but mm-hmm. companies do that. I mm-hmm. think we really learned to seed things and let, let them breathe in more mm-hmm. of a VC role. Mm-hmm. We probably learned a little too late, but I feel like that was incredibly so, so I want to finish up with G. How hard is it to get a big company to do that? Because at some point, you're doing what you do well. And I, I remember interviewing Bob Iger once, and he he moved very quickly into digital more than other people. Yeah. Uh, early, uh, they didn't haven't done everything perfectly. They had that horrible Disney service. They did all kinds of mistakes. Like they start another one now too. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, whatever. We'll see. But one of the things he said is, if someone's going to eat your lunch, it might as well be you. Yeah. And so he said the pushback he said was just enormous because if we can do one thing well, you're sort of like. You know, if you can draw a dancing monkey and the dancing monkey works, you keep drawing the dancing monkey. Exactly. You know what I mean? You keep doing what you always did instead of questioning it. Yeah. So you just you have to you have to create the funding. You have to create the mm-hmm. people. Like we hired a bunch of entrepreneurs to come in, and we gave them a different compensation. We mm-hmm. gave them different payment. You had to protect those people. You had to protect mm-hmm. their ideas. They couldn't get killed off just because you need right. to make a quarter. Right. So you have to make that happen. What are the key tenets of doing that? Well, one, you have to find the right people. Mm-hmm. You have to have good capital allocation. And I think this is often gets confused with investors. You have mm-hmm. to allocate some money, but you're trying to test a lot of ideas early mm-hmm. so that you have confidence when you finally invest in something. I'll give you an example We um, of what we didn't do well. We were looking at energy storage at one point in clean tech. This is for batteries? For batteries, yeah. And the old G way was throw, we ended up throwing $200 million and we had to write the business off as mm-hmm. opposed to what we should have done and what we ended up learning how to do. Let's invest $10 million with one customer to get it right. Mm-hmm. Then we can invest $100 million when we're proven that we've gotten right. it right. Instead of making a big press release, and, we're going to do batteries. And drive. a lot of money and then you yeah. got to write it off. So that's what companies do wrong mm-hmm. is they scale it too fast, too soon. They put the wrong people. And then they call it a failure. Right. And, you know, somebody who likes to run a $10 billion business is probably not somebody who wants to start a business where they have no revenue. Right, right, because it makes them feel like. I think it, doing investments is a really interesting thing, so like how you do investments. I was just interviewing Arthur Sells, uh, A.G. Salzberger, who's now the yeah. publisher. Of the, and I said, what would you do with a billion dollars? He's like, well, we don't want a billion dollars. I'm like, you don't? Like, here's what I would do. And I thought of 10 things. Yeah. And it was really interesting. Why but didn't he, he want Oh, because he was saying we should make our billion dollars ourselves. This was the idea of whether they should have like a Jeff Bezos-like investor. And I was like, what if you went around? and bought all a bunch of local newspapers and made them as good as the New York Times and owned local. That's a good idea. And I know it is. Yeah. And they were like, oh. And I was like, well, you need money for that. Like, you need to invest. It's the mentality of how you invest and, and what you, to try to take a risk like that yeah. for what the next thing is versus where you are now. I, a couple things. I like the old business school tool mm-hmm. of like 70, 20, 10, mm-hmm. 70% in the core, 20 in the adjacent, 10 in, in new. Mm-hmm. And to me, hiring a group of folks who come out of venture and mm-hmm. had, had done startup work, bringing them into the company brought mm-hmm. a huge discipline and a patience and an ability to sort through the people we needed. Right. That was critical. And I think companies aren't so willing to do that. talk a little that. bit more about this book. When you say, imagine it forward, what, is that, what does that mean? I get the courage, creativity, and the power of change. Obviously, change is powerful, but it could be non-powerful. It could be non-powerful. I'm really yeah. just trying 
want to say, you know, there's so much change happening in the world. Another buzzword, like innovation, change. I know, it's these buzzwords. and Because we're struggling because we don't have a better word for them. But we're all being disrupted, and you shouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much change happening, but you can can actually get out in the world and see things early. Mm -hmm. You can... Do critical thinking. I mean, it's what you've been writing about mm-hmm. and talking about in companies like Facebook. They right, didn't we'll imagine forward some of the potential None scenarios. So this is about actually creative problem solving. Mm-hmm. To me, it's that. I If there's a problem I feel we need to solve related to this, it's not having enough imagination in our companies. We're mm-hmm. too short-term focused. Mm-hmm. We're not creative, creatively thinking through problems for to solutions for the new problems. It's mm-hmm. just that simple. And again, how do you get that? Where does that have to come from? Well, I think it has to come from everybody, but mm-hmm. especially from leaders. I mean, mm-hmm. leaders can't delegate it. You had a really interesting column about your chief eth- ethics officer. officer. Right. I was just bringing it up. And I think, like, even a chief innovation officer, like, people like that are good to see it. Chief but if, if you yeah. if you delegate all that to that chief, nothing's going to happen. Right. So it's so going to come from the top. I thought your piece ended with that kind of thinking that everybody's got to have a little piece of that. And mm-hmm. I think when we're talking about navigating change, change has to be everybody's job. The, the only reason I thought there should be one like that is because then everyone knows it's important. Well, I think there is, I, there is symbolism. The word chief is next to it. People pay attention. But I, my, I agree that it's symbol, symbolic, but if that's all you do, right. you're uh-huh. not going to No, if you're succeed. deciding whether there should be Chick-fil-A in because the, they're anti-gay in the cafeteria, that's really not. Yeah. Ethics. So if there's one person that's going to bring in outside perspectives, provoke the culture, do, you know, sort of these imaginative scenarios. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a ton of ways to... So talk about because imagination can be very nerve-wracking to people, like having, causing it. And one of the things I wrote about this week was I had asked Elliot Trigg, who was the head of comms and policy at Facebook, and he was on stage, so I had him trapped. And I said, you know, I was in the audience and I said, who is the irritant at Facebook? And this was 16 months ago, 18 months ago. Who's the irritant in the room? I'm just curious. Well, we argue a lot. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking to someone who says no. Yeah. And who can say no? Yeah. And who can who can push back on Mark Zuckerberg, who's the 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 controlling shareholder, the, the founder, lot obviously famous, powerful, and stuff like that? Who gets to say no to him? I, you're wrong, you idiot, kind of thing. And it yeah. was a really interesting discussion because he didn't really answer it. But I think one of the problems at companies like Facebook is there's lack of irritants. There's lack totally. of— Totally. Irritating people. Right. And I had to play that role, and I don't like irritating people, mm-hmm. and you need to invite them in from outside. You need you need to do that. You need to say, tell me something I don't want to hear, but this right. is what I saw in the cultures I worked with. Mm-hmm. We actually called it success theater, this mm-hmm. notion that oh, everybody that? pretends like everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. And yes, Mark. Mm-hmm. Yes, Jeff. Whatever yeah. you said, let's do that. Mm-hmm. And they don't they don't they don't take it their own initiative to challenge because they fear right. they're going to look bad, lose their job, get demoted. Mm-hmm. And so you have to encourage better feedback loops. You have to have you probably do need some symbolism. There needs mm-hmm. to be a chief irritant. Right. Probably. Chief I could have that. I would you could that would be your job. Everybody let's, would want to hire me for that. We job. could let's map that out. Well, it's interesting because when I when I was thinking about your book, it's like you're using imagination, but I really you have to agitate agitate it forward, yeah. right? You know what I mean like the idea because I think when you do imagination to get it actually done, you have to be irritating. You have or, to do or, both. Or agitating. You have to think creatively, and then you have to agitate for a better future. It's just right. that, and somebody has to do it. And there's a cost to that, isn't there? There. I mean, what? Do you, how do you look at that? Because there's a cost to the person who does that within an organization. Well, f- I would not have lasted at GE as long, and. Uh, you know, if I didn't have a champion who was like, yeah, I expect you to come, but Jeff didn't like me asking these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had huge debates about solar energy, for example, huge debates about digital, you know, like, 
the, the answer was always, well, we don't know how we're going to make money doing that. Well, no one does. We've mm-hmm. got it. We've got it. It's real. It's real. Right. Yeah. So somebody like me has to come in and go, but it's real. Mm-hmm. No, it's real. Directionally, but, it's correct. Directionally, it's correct. So we're going to try some experiments. We're going to do some things. We're going to try things at a small scale to just figure our way forward. Although sometimes it can be too small, and then you don't right. No, it, 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 and that you're learning through that too. But you need somebody who keeps coming back. What's interesting, say, like I just interviewed Elon Musk. You know, he's the one that's pushed forward all this electric car stuff. If yeah. he wasn't irritating everybody, and he can be very irritating, it wouldn't have happened. I, I absolutely credit him with pushing pushing on people. Absolutely, absolutely. Right? What do you think Ford's in there for? Why do you think BMW's there? Why yeah, because you... he paved the way for them. He made right. it, he was the early risk taker, right? Mm-hmm. He was de-risking it for them. So mm-hmm. you need somebody in your organization who's willing to take the arrows. But can companies do that? Can they foment that imagination Some and creativity? Some can, but, and, and I really am trying to narrow imagination a bit to be creative problem solving, because I I do so worry for what, well, okay, let's just talk about, um, since we were talking about Facebook, you mm-hmm. know, we are. Uh, who are the bad guys that could come in and use, mm-hmm. what are the scenarios for the future? Yeah, What's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. We always think about the best that can happen. Mm-hmm. What's the worst? What if suddenly everything we, you know, suddenly advertising went away tomorrow? What would we do? Mm-hmm. We don't challenge ourselves in companies enough. We we have business plans that show mm-hmm. exactly how we're going to grow in three yep. to five years, but we don't have It's like a com- scenario building. Yeah. It's like it's you're a, almost like a CIA agent. Where yeah, exactly. Big, I was going to do that for a living. Were you a CIA I, agent? I was, yeah, I couldn't. I was gay. It was a whole long thing. But I wanted to do scenario building. I was obsessed with the idea of what the 10 things that could happen. That's how I do my reporting, actually. Yeah. No, it's and I think journalism secret. is a great background I, for I that. I make up things all the time, and yeah. one of them is right. Yeah. It's always right. You're, and you're testing. You're constantly Yeah, and then testing. I'll call people, and they're like, how did you know? And I'm yeah. like, I just made it up. Turns out to be true. Like, one of them is true. Like, it's interesting, and it's always pushing against something. And yeah, and you do those kind of exercises. So what, and then we get back. I want you to talk about sort of some of the tips in the book, what to do that, and how you free okay. a company that way. Because I do. I think if you're not my whole premise is everything that can be digitized will be digitized yep. going forward. And if you're not creative, you're finished. That's why I wrote the book. Yeah. It's all about creativity right. and I want you to talk thinking. about that when we get back. We're here with Beth Comstock. Her book is called Imagine It Forward, Courage, Creativity, and the Power of Change. She was also a pretty big executive at GE and other places at NBC. And we'll talk more when we get back. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Okay, we're here with Beth Comstock. She's the author of Imagine It Forward, Courage, Creativity, and the Power of Change. She's also been a major GE executive and worked in NBC and other places. So talk a little bit about some of the things you have to do to imagine it forward. Yeah, well, I think there are just thought exercises you can put yourself into. So one I love is uh, think back 10 years ago to something that seemed strange or weird Mm -hmm. and now is mainstream. And then think ahead 10 years what that might be. So you think back 10 years, I mean, you know, I was just I was just in Las Vegas at the can- there was a cannabis convention next, mm-hmm. next door. I mean, yeah. medical marijuana marijuana huge. huge now, right? 10 years ago it seems silly to think that would right. be. So I think those that's a good kind of, you know, so tattoos. you were just there just cuz why? I was there I was doing something with Autodesk in Las Vegas, but right. um, I like to think through just w- weird scenarios. You know, mm-hmm. what's the what's the uh, think of the opposite? What mm-hmm. if the opposite of what you think is going to happen? Give me ha- an example. Happens. Um, 
I don't know, let's try to think of a, of a, a media. I don't know. Um, everybody thinks that everybody's going to go to subscriptions in, mm-hmm. in media content. What right. if suddenly they decide they they want to go back to advertising? Mm-hmm. You know, are you constantly— What does your advertising what look is, like? What does it look like? Are right. you constantly thinking through some of those different scenarios? I mean, this is an easy one, but what's the worst thing that could—what's the worst that could happen? Mm-hmm. I think companies don't spend enough time thinking through these things. I always mm-hmm. like those red team, blue team exercises that came out of the military, mm-hmm. where you deliberately seed one point of view versus the other, and you mm-hmm. kind of set up a cage match. We did that with our clean tech right. work. Wow. And the team, there was the pro climate change and the anti-climate change out of our research lab. So mm-hmm. these were very w- well-regarded scientists. And the mm-hmm. pro-climate change was so compelling, the other guys capitulated. Right. Like, that's it. We get it. We're all in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think you have to set up those kind of things in your company. It's not about a business plan. It's right. not about a monetary, yeah, you got to do some of that, but that's often where strategy ends in companies. Mm-hmm. And I worry that we're too short-term focused. I think that... Well, how do you change that? Because you're sort I of at the mercy of Wall Street, right? I, well, People have ta- even Donald Trump has talked about that. That's one thing he said I thought was quite intelligent. Yeah. I, I mean, I think there are ways, certain parts of your business that you mm-hmm. need, a, you have somewhat predictability, mm-hmm. somewhat predictably mm-hmm. you can operate. Then you have to create a separate lane. Mm-hmm. I think if you're really serious about innovation and your investors are serious about you having a future, you have to have a separate lane where you're investing in some of these things, longer return, you're testing ideas. How do you decide which one of those ideas should be like as a company? Because I think people are very conservative in what they pick, like, yeah. what they should be. Well, I'm constantly thinking of wrecking all my businesses and starting again. But you're unique that way. Right. That People need more people like you who right. are in that lane. Well, how do you decide which one to pick? Well, I think you're 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 not picking specific ideas as much mm-hmm. as you're picking a vision of the future. So mm-hmm. clean tech. How right. are we going to get there? Mm-hmm. What are our capabilities? Solar, wind, energy. Now mm-hmm. we're going to test different ways to right. get there. And then we're not going to do geothermal or whatever. Right. So you're constantly picking against your strengths. I think people often try to, especially in media, everybody tries well, to copy. To Let's go to media. Where is media right now overall? Uh, I think I think media is confused. Yeah. I mean, wow. media is confused. And I mean, look at what you're able to do. Somebody who's good, can you can create your own brand, your own media mm-hmm. platform. I mean, you're, you don't need NBC to do that. Right. We, we talk about the bigger. But what does an NBC do? What does a New York Times do? What does a ABC do? What does a, you know, a, a, a Fox, which is now going to be owned by Disney? Yeah, well, on ABC, apparently, their game is just to get big and mm-hmm. get big. And But where does that end? I mean, right. how are they, I, as an, if I were an investor in Disney, I'd be wanting to know what is the new, what are the new things they're seeding? Isn't that what we should be asking for? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. where does media go from here? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it continues to get more and more fragmented. Mm-hmm. And then what happens? Everybody, then those, we're going to say, oh, we need a new network. We need mm-hmm. somebody to come in and re-aggregate. Right. So we start the cycle all over again. Did, I, did you ever go back to the person about programming and say, ah, looks like I was right? No. Yeah. No. What happens with programming? I think, well, I mean, we're seeing what's, but right now, how many skinny bundles or how many different over-the-top services Mm -hmm. can any of us have, right? Right, right. We can't have a hundred of them. Mm -hmm. Then you're Mm -hmm. back to cable again. So somebody's going to come and re-aggregate them. They're going to create different services. Mm -hmm. So I think these cycles just keep repeating themselves. But how how about how people are consuming media, for example? Well, I I think people are just, one, I think they're a bit overwhelmed right now. Right. So I think people are going to be looking to the Kara-Swishers of the world to say, tell me what to watch. Mm-hmm. Help me navigate this world. You're going to be looking for guides. Right. Um, Which are people, not computers. I think it's people. It has to be people. Right. Computers are not going to do a good job right. at it. And then who are the, are there new networks? Will it be Google and Amazon? I'm just using media as the example. You could pick any area. 
I don't I don't know that there's a big big scale network. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the ones who've tried Vice. I mean, mm-hmm. what do they end up becoming? A traditional broadcast network, right, right? Right, exactly. So I think it's just a lot of fragmented small pieces, and you go to people whose sensibility you like, and, and um, get it. does that put the cable companies and distributors in powers of posi- powerful positions or not? No, because they're not. What are they doing to? I mean, if if you're talking about giving broadband, those guys have a huge position, but they're not. Why do I need to go to Bravo right now? I don't mm-hmm. need to go to Bravo. Mm-hmm. It used to be I needed them because they represented my psychographic a bit more. But now mm-hmm. I I can go and do I can go. So I think the broadcast networks go away. So and and you bought a lot of advertising, right? Yeah. How did you begin to change your thinking on that? Well, I think advertising doesn't go away as long as you mm-hmm. as long as you have an audience, you mm-hmm. can do advertising. But we were able to go much more direct to consumers to what we're talking about when mm-hmm. I was doing marketing at GE, mm-hmm. and go direct to people who bought our products. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you need to do both. And I think that's what's hard right now is you, you need those platforms for the big events and you also want those micro-targeted micro-events. Right. And it's both it's interesting. It's fascinating because I was just literally watching. I was talking about where does it, I was trying to think about where advertising goes. And then I saw this beautiful Elton John advertisement that you couldn't. I've seen that shared a lot today, too. It's, it's really an, something. But it got shared is what's interesting. Yeah, it's exactly. not on TV. I didn't consume it there. I now know this, whatever hell company paid yeah. him. What company was it? I couldn't I don't know, even, some yeah. company. Um, <laughs> that's part of the That's challenge. the problem, right? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. And GE had that great, we bring good things to life. Yeah. Was that, was that? No, I mean, we, we actually got rid of that one oh, in my did? day. Oh, my it was a great, no, it was a great, it was probably one of the best taglines in the company's history, right. but it stood in the way of the company going forward. We it, was it, it was light. It was about we, light. Yeah. People thought it was we bring good things to light. Exactly. Light bulbs. Yeah. That's enough with the light bulbs. Exactly. Right. And it wasn't about creating the future in, in, mm-hmm. in um, technology. Imagination at work. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. That's but right. we didn't do it as a, uh, I think, right, frankly, taglines are kind of over. Yeah. We did yeah. it as a way to rally the employees. It wasn't right. about everybody needing to remember our tagline. Right, right. Um, but we did get into a lot of original content. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what brands have Meaning to do making. today. Meaning we made our own movies. We made our own stories. Mm-hmm. We found different ways to distribute them. We would go mm-hmm. to platforms like a Recode early mm-hmm. or BuzzFeed in the day mm-hmm. um, and try to get our stories out on those platforms early because it was about telling our story in an innovative way. Right. All right. So some of the other uh, suggestions for doing things. What has? To, give me the three things that have to change at a company. Well, I think they have to give themselves permission to take risks. Mm-hmm. And so they have to have that track of near term and long term. They mm-hmm. have to have a lane for the future. Mm-hmm. They have to, so they're giving themselves permission to try things and fail. Two, they have to just get open up and, and invite new ideas and criticism and open themselves up. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to get out in the world and discover. They they, mm-hmm. they can't be so focused. Mm-hmm. Those, I think, would be the key things. And I think just much more collaboration and partnership and experimentation has to happen. And again, when you have to do that in a short-term environment with people that aren't People at the top of companies are older, and I don't mean to impugn I'm old, but and I think I do innovative things. But how do you train the younger people that they think like this, like in terms of because they do seem to fall in line at the in the end? Yeah, well, I think it's a state of mind. I think you got mm-hmm. old people and young people who don't yeah. want to take risks, and some who do. How do we get people to that mentality? Because I think the workplace can is absolutely non hierarchical anymore. It can't be. It like, can't be. But you still and you have to be entrepreneurial as a worker. You have period. to be entrepreneurial everywhere. I don't right. care what industry you're in. Right. My daughter's an actor. I tell you. You're an entrepreneur, right? right? You have to. You have to be. Meaning that how? Way. Well, she's got to fight for her own way. She's right, got to. She's got to get her own work. She's got to sell herself every day. Mm-hmm. She has to find a crafty new way to get in there. Mm-hmm. Every if you're a teacher, you have to do that. Right, right. So I think we need to bring back entrepreneurism, not in the Silicon Valley way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but in the way that fights for better. And right. people have to be given the freedom to try things. All right, I want to finish up talking a little bit. I hate to do the woman thing on you, but you no, are I'm, one of the highest ranking women at GE, highest ranking executives. 
How do you look at the landscape right now? Because it just seems not to have gotten better. Well, I, as somebody who's been working almost 30 years, I mm-hmm. mean, I'm frustrated that it's not better. I see my daughters. I expected them to have a better workplace than, mm-hmm. than what they do. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I, I think I'm encouraged, that being said. I think a lot of women are standing up now, and we're saying we've had it. We're mm-hmm. not going to take it. I mm-hmm. mean, I was so encouraged by the election in the sense that record number of women. Yes. I mean, wow. Yeah. But I think the thing it's is like we've— 35 seats I now, know, but it? we've got to give them the room to lead their way. Mm-hmm. They, can't, they can't have a man's job. Like, Don't give them a man's job. Don't take a man's job. Take a woman's job. Mm-hmm. Lead a women's way. Mm-hmm. And the more we can see women who are leading differently and bringing others along, and companies have just got to change. They got to. They got to put heavy incentives. They got to create a pipeline to it. And enough of the lip service. It's mm-hmm. again more theater. They, and being at the top, what's you saw? Why? Why was it? I mean, I've been talking to a lot of women at the top of Google. And I'm like, you are sitting there. Like, what are you doing? Well, I know a lot of us fought for it. I mean, yeah. hired a lot of women, tried to flood right. the zone, hire a lot of difference. Mm-hmm. What happens is people hire people like themselves. Yeah. I mean, you've been in Silicon Valley, I just wrote Valley, that, meritocracy. Right? I love that line. Thank I mean, you. we hire plu, people like us. Mm-hmm. Everybody does it. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Start there. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. You have to build a pipeline. You have to have people that they see are different, and you have to recognize they're different. So I, I, even if you get people of different, you know, backgrounds, um, it's not enough. People have to see them succeed. And so I think it just takes commitment. And too, too many leaders are t- too impatient. They say, oh, I don't have time for that. They right, won't they succeed Right, they make it priority here. number 14. Yeah, exactly. So I think they have to say, okay, you're, we're not going to give you any more budget until you get your statistics, your stats up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, show me who's in your pipeline, and I'm not going to let you hire anybody new until you show me what you're doing to get these people. Next year, what are you going to do to have five more women in that in those jobs? Mm-hmm. And you have to tell me why they're, they're not right. So they're not doing that. Right. Lastly, is there a company, is companies that you look at that you think that's they're doing it right in terms of like, or, or does it change? Cause in you, terms of women? The women? Yeah, like, look, so you look at the tech sector, which was supposed to be the new innovative change agent, and it looks like it's like one that's traffic That's one of accident. my biggest disappointments. And somebody who had to come out and learn Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. and I came in thinking everybody, everything's going to be so fresh. It was so disappointing. And yeah. these are young people, right? Right. But they hired people like themselves, right? Right. They, and, and we funded them, and the world applauded them. Mm-hmm. So you do not look there. I think it tends to be smaller companies. I mean, um, the the number of women who own their and run their own small business, mm-hmm. it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a talk recently with this woman, Sarah McNally, who owns mm-hmm. McNally Jackson Bookstore. And mm-hmm. just the passion she brings and the employees that love her, they, they don't want to leave. I mean, I think a lot of where you're seeing it, people, like you're saying, I'm going to start my own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. And mm-hmm. so I, I look to that for encouragement. Right. I'm just a bad employee, Beth. That's what it is. I recognized it early on. I just was. I was negging my bosses almost continuously. I was like, there's something here that's working for me, the negging, but it's not a good thing. But it would take a strong boss to say, I need to listen to Kara and I need that yeah, feedback. I and I really one. think management is, we know yeah. it is dead. dead. Back to what you yes. said, people, yeah. even in Silicon Valley, they think it's command and control. It's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. And so more people need you. Right. And people who so what are, are you irritants. doing next? I've been working on this book this year, and I'm mm-hmm. going to go off and rediscover, you know, sort of go on a wandering tour. What would be your thing, absolute thing that you haven't done that you wish you had um, done? Well, I— um, You're going to wander. Okay. I'm going to wander. I don't know. Yeah. I want to—I just want to—I I think I'm a good coach. I'm going to help some— yeah. Leaders, I don't want to go back to big business. I'm right. done with that. Yeah, so I'm just going to go wander. I don't know. You need to get on boards, Beth. I'm like, on the Nike board. Yeah, so that's are. a good board you need to, to be on. Fix some things over there. Yeah, <laughs> they're working on it. Right, but yeah, right. I may do. I may do another board. But yeah. I'm going to wander around. I'm going to re-enter business in a very different way. I'm going to really. I really want to lean into my expression, do mm-hmm. more creativity, mm-hmm. do maybe do more writing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Good, Beth Comstock. Thank you for Thanks, coming Karen. on the show.
I look forward to your next chapter. Me too. Why do people say that in your next chapter? I don't know. I've been saying I want to be an intern, so maybe I'll come here and oh be an intern. Oh, my God, you Could should. Can I be an intern at Rico? <laughs> you don't have interns. All right. <laughs> then you have asking. to manage Thanks for your application, but we are turning it down. Um, I don't, literally, I'm trying to shed people. Do you understand? I want to, like, just wander. I want to take scooters all around a city by myself. No, but that's what I want to do. But I can yes. just do that as an intern. Just come and wander and fix things that need all fixing. Right, don't think about it. I'll consider your application. You're a little high think, paid. You're yeah. a little, a little... No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to do this for free. Oh, no. No, no, never say that. Well, no, I have to get paid something. You have to you're get, right. Thank you. Yeah, never I do have say, to get paid something. You're I'm right. Don't do anything for free. No, you're right. Good lesson. No women should ever say no that. No one should ever say no that. No one really. should ever say that. Anyway, thank you, Beth Comstock, for coming on the podcast. And thank you all for listening. If you liked it, please tell a friend. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. Thanks to our sponsors and to Cadence 13 and Vox Media for selling those ads. Thanks to Joel Robbie, who edits the show, and our producers, Golda Arthur and Eric Johnson. This is Recode Media. We'll see you next week. Today's show is brought to you by Ericsson. 5G is not just a step up from 4G. It's a game-changing advancement. It's 100 times faster. And the ultra-reliable, low-latency network means it can connect more than phones and tablets. It connects everything. Imagine a jam session with band members miles apart in perfect sync. It's happening. It's happening, man. Imagine an 8K entertainment system in your self-driving car that rivals your home theater. That is not happening, but it could happen. 5G will have the power to revolutionize existing industry models or even create entirely new ones. This is just a glimpse at what the future will look like with Ericsson and 5G. Find out how 5G will transform the world at Ericsson dot com slash 5g i'm gonna spell erickson for you e-r-i-c-s-s-o-n dot com slash 5g